Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be going into the Salt and Light closet and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2017. We begin with Father Michael Prieur, who tells us about every Catholic's favorite pastime, confessions. And we meet singer-songwriter Danielle Noonan. In our second half hour, we speak with author Jared Brock about the connection between beards and holiness. And at the end of the program, we reconnect with singer-songwriter Matt Marr, who has a new album, Echoes. We now begin with The Art of the Confessor. Now, nobody likes to go to confession, even people who say that confession is good and a great gift and who regularly go find it hard. I mean, really, who wants to go and tell someone else all the stuff that they've done wrong? But have you ever thought what it is like for priests to hear confessions? Well, I have. And so I'm very happy to have with me Father Michael Prieur, who just wrote a book called The Art of the Confessor, a vademecum for seminarians and priests. Father Mike, welcome <laughs> to the Sultan Light Good to be on the program. Okay, I, I have to ask you about Vade That's Mecum. right. That's right. <laughs> it's a technical term, but I use it deliberately. Uh, it means uh, go with me. So be my commel. Vade Mecum. Vade Mecum. And Rome often uses that for particular kinds of documents to accompany. So it's like a guide? A guide. An, an accompanying. An accompanying. An accompanying. Yeah, that's so right. is it, is it, did you put that in there partly so that we know that it's a technical book? It is. And I got it because it is a textbook. For it seminarians, oh, yes. it is, and so uh, and for priests as well. So I don't apologize for that. Right. Uh, so it, it's a word, but once you have the word, it's it's a good word to use for what Absolutely. this book is. Absolutely, and yes. we'll talk about that right. now. Um, why I know you taught the course for many years, yes, almost you, fifty years. Fifty years. So you used to teach seminarians how, how to, to hear, hear confessions. confessions. That's right. And the name of the course is the art. The of art the of the confessors was my term too. Why art? Art, because it's a skill, you have to have the knowledge, but you're stick handling with people and their individual circumstances. Right. That takes an art okay. how to do this. Is there an art? Because I would have thought that it would be the art of confessions and not the art of the actual no, confessor. No, no, no. I'm talking about the priest hearing confession. Yeah. I use an image there. We yes. have to stick handle yes. with people. If you play hockey, I, I love that, that, that turn that will image. speak yes. you right away. I've, of course, of course. Now, uh, let, let's talk about the person going to confession first. Why is it that people find going to confession so hard? It's difficult to say things that we're embarrassed about. And yeah. some of our sins are quite embarrassing. But the reality is, once we get the inside out, we feel tremendous relief. Yes. It's extremely therapeutic. Yes. And I've heard this huge, <sighs> yeah, a thousand pounds are off their shoulders. Finally, they got it out. Why, right. And and let me say this: God doesn't need confession; we do. Right. It's a human thing, and I think the best example of that is Alcoholics Anonymous, mm -hmm. and the famous fifth step, mm -hmm. when they got to go and make this huge inventory of what they've done wrong right. as part of their healing. It's difficult, but when they're done, they just, they just feel got it remarkably off. well. Are there are there misconceptions about the sacrament of reconciliation, which is also what it, uh, the sacrament is called, the sacrament of reconciliation? That's are there right. some misconceptions about confession that you think also prevent people from going? Oh, sure. 
uh, is the priest going to third degree me, for example? <laughs> right. eh? That's all, Everybody's afraid of that. Yeah. And Pope Francis has said, don't make the confessional into a torture chamber. Yes. And so my criteria for that when people say, how much do I need to say, is very simple. What will give you peace? Right. What will give you peace? And so some people say, well, how far do I have to go to describe how this? How many details? What yeah. will give you peace? Right. And then when they do that, you can see the peace coming into them. Mm-hmm. That's a good guide. Um, do you, you you also in the book uh, since you mentioned the torture chamber, you you in the book you you have some some no nos. Oh yes, oh yes. So there's some things that a priest should not do during oh, confession. Oh, right. Never say you did what. <laughs> That's a big no no. And unfortunately, there there's stories of some priest doing that. Yeah. Or you know, third degreeing somebody. You know. Yeah. Um, actually questioning too much. Right. These are no-nos. And Pope, uh, I got those from uh, St. John Paul II, the, the no-nos. Yes. He had about 10 of them. Right. Never, 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 he said. Okay, good. So so there's some things that, that the confessor shouldn't do. Um, you also say that you love hearing confessions. Are confessions hard for a priest, though? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, you go in, you always pray before you begin. Mm-hmm. And remember, the primary person working here is the Holy Spirit. Right. So it's the Holy Spirit, and I can feel the presence. Sometimes people say things, what can I say about that? I, and I have one simple prayer, come Holy Spirit, three words. Right. Amazing what will come. Yes. And it, when I'm finished, they say, Father, that was very helpful. And that's what they needed to hear, probably. I'll say, Word yes. of, oh, thank you, Holy yes. Spirit. Yes. So the Holy Spirit is really working there. So while it's difficult, nevertheless, very rewarding. Do you feel, do you end up as a priest, do you feel that you're you're taking on weight, or is it easy for you to kind of close the door and let it go? Well, what you have to do, and that's what I tell the students, after you're finished, you kneel before the Blessed Sacrament huh. and dump. Yes. A- and you have to do that, mm. you know. I call that decontaminating. Yes. And, you know, in the care, in the uh, high-risk professions and that, they have to decontaminate too. Right. Debriefing, it's called. Yes. Well, we dump it before right. our Lord. Because I can't go and talk about what was said to me mm-hmm. unless it's a situation where I get their permission to ask about or a generic way. Right. Because I cannot identify the sin with the sinner. Right. That violates the yeah, seal of confession. Yeah. I can't do that. No. But generically, I say, gee, I didn't know how to handle a particular area like scrupulosity uh, here. I didn't quite know. Yeah. I got some advice. I, I could check that out. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned scrupulosity because you have a whole section on the I book do. about scrupulosity. I do. So what is scrupulosity? What does that refer to? It's called the doubter's disease. Uh-huh. And it's where you think serious things are more serious or little, th- uh, so you're going to hell. You didn't quite say all your sins in confession. If you're a worker and you're supposed to do 100 pieces an hour, you'll do 110 pieces. Right. And drive your, your working partners crazy. Yes. You're a, you're a perfectionist. So these are people that may might com- go to the same, confess the same sin over, over and over again? Over and over again. Okay. Was I really forgiven? Did I really say my penance? Right. Did I really doing enough? And really, it's an idea that God is almost a taskmaster mm. waiting to get you. Mm-hmm. So it's a concept of God they have in their mind as a grim, rigid counter God. In cases like that, do you think that, do you, and maybe in general, but that's a good example that you might find that sometimes people need more than just confession, that maybe they need spiritual direction or therapy. Or counseling. Yeah. Because it's related to obsessive compulsion. Yeah. Uh, syndrome. Yeah. OCD. It's yes. related. They're not necessarily the same. Uh-huh. Uh, and I... I 
yes. go into that quite a little bit in technical detail here. In the book, yeah. So we don't make that mistake. Yeah. But nevertheless, it is there. And so people are fear of germs, for example. Right. Oh, germs everywhere, you know. Yes. And I'll say, well, how often did you actually get sick from doing this? Well, not much or never. Yeah, exactly. See what I mean? Yeah. But they're convinced they're going to get that disease or So whatever. you can help them with that. Now, another section uh, that you have in the book, which I did not expect, was a whole section on evil. Exactly. Why is that in there? It's in there because evil is very much with us. Yes. And good examples are, well, President Trump referred to it about the Vegas situation recently the when shooting. he said, yeah. it's evil. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And maybe that man is possessed. I don't know what made him do it. But what he did was evil. It's horrendous yes. what yes. he did. What happens is some of these uh, ethnic cleansing things, evil. Yes. Pornography, evil. There's a, It's around us. Mm -hmm. And also... Things like Ouija boards and fortune telling and whatnot. Don't mess with the devil. Right. Well, there's a wonderful book that I refer to in my yes. book um, called Manual of Minor Exorcisms for the Use of Priests, published uh, by the Australians yeah. with official approval. Yes. Talks about a lot of these things that we can do in praying with a penitent, mm -hmm. short of an official exorcism, okay. needing the permission of the bishop. So you could do that in the context of you confession You could do it in confession, just a little prayer for deliverance, a little okay. prayer that that spirit bothering them will be taken away. Mm -hmm. we got to remember, we're dealing with a sacrament, and we got the power of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And there's no match between evil and Jesus Christ. Do you ever find that that, that can go also with the sacrament of the sick or that you're in reconciliation yes. you can say you know what I need to celebrate yes. another sacrament yes. here there's a whole area here pornography is a good example and I, I say because it's a disease the, the sacrament of the sick can help them it's an addiction yeah and addictions fit under this particular sacrament which we didn't used to do it was no. always danger of death yeah but for the first thousand years in the history of the church we were uh, anointing people for everything the church right. was generous yeah. with the use of this sacrament yeah Wow, we could spend uh, probably a whole hour talking about this, and, and I, I'm going to direct people to some interviews that we're doing with Father Michael for our TV stations. You can always find out more about this at saltandlighttv.org. Um, this book is a great book. It's not just for priests and seminarians. It's for everyone. Well, people will buy it. You know, yes. When you publish, it's out there. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, but, it, but, it, don't, but it, it is a textbook, and I like it because it looks like a textbook. You don't have to read it from beginning color, to end. You can color, find color, pictures. Lots of color, lots oh. of uh, art. It, it's of course there's art you published it um, so um, it's called The Art of the Confessor and it's published by you Michael Prior that's right it's self-published okay so if people are interested in this book they just have to email Father Mike uh, his last name is P-R-I-E-U-R Prior I'm going to put that on, on our website so you can find it easily but you can email him at prierpublications at gmail.com, prierpublications at gmail.com if you're interested in getting this book or if you want to give it to your priest. And it costs $35. <laughs> it's $35, Canadian. HST, by the way, Canadian. There, there you go, Canadian. So, that's um, it. so we're going to leave it there, but I'm sure that this is going to uh, be of interest to a lot of our listeners. Father Mike, thank you for being with us I'm in the program I'm happy you today. I was able to do this. God bless you. Father Michael Prier is a formal pro former professor at St. Peter's Seminary and King's College in London, Ontario. He now continues as a spiritual director at the seminary. He's authored many books, and as we mentioned, his latest is The Art of the Confessor of Vademecum for Seminarians and Priests, and you can get that by emailing him, prierpublications at gmail.com. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Danielle Noonan, with Good to Me from her album, Undone. 
There's no more time to wait. There's no more time to wait. I want to know a father who's delighted in my name, who abides in me forever. That was Danielle Noonan with Good To Me from her album Undone. Danielle Noonan started leading music at age 13 in her church in Texas. Since then, Danielle has been bringing people together with her music, her testimony, and storytelling. In 2013, Danielle released her first album, Restoration, and in 2014, her second, titled The Awaken Project. Her last album, which we've been listening to, is Undone. And now Danielle has a new single for her new project, and we'll get to that at the end of the show. But first, to tell us more about her music and her ministry, I'm now joined by Danielle Noonan. Danielle, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you grew up in Texas. What was growing up like? Oh, gosh. Well, I was the youngest of 14. What? If you can believe that. I yes. know, the youngest of 14. So I was the baby, and I was actually adopted as okay. well. So... Um, yeah, it was just this sort of beautiful uh, connection to the Lord that's given me quite a um, quite a, a witness for just His love and protection and 
So growing up in Texas, especially in East Texas, it was a little town of about 3,000 people. Uh, so you could imagine it was really quiet, not uh-huh. like Houston, you know, no. <laughs> where we are now. So No, not at all. Sorry, 14 siblings. Uh, uh, some other uh, others were adopted as well? I was the only one that was really? adopted. So wow. um, I actually, it was a familial adoption, and, and I have two biological brothers um, okay. who are also in ministry, surprisingly enough, uh-huh. but we didn't grow up together. So the Lord has connected us in beautiful ways for sure. Good. Was it was it a Catholic household? Was it a faithful household? It was. It sure was. I grew up in the faith, um, and my parents really instilled in me this sense of uh, of service to our brothers and sisters especially for the poor and the vulnerable and the orphaned. Mm-hmm. And that really didn't start to grow until I was probably in high school or right. a- and in college when I started to songwrite, you know. Okay, so you started to songwrite in college. Were you doing music growing up? Did you have to, like, take piano lessons? I got kicked out of my piano lessons. What? Really? Uh, I know, I know. I was a rebel. I went rogue. I play everything by ear. Uh-huh. Um, and so I would hear all these songs and I would, play right. them and I've played since I was probably like five or six years old on the piano and she just said you know you can't improv everything Daniel <laughs> you can't do so much improvisation so that's great I stopped lessons and from there on out I played everything by ear and I started to do I started to lead mass around the age of 13 uh-huh. and I, I just never stopped doing music so mm-hmm. that's great you're you're like me I, I was the same with piano I studied, yeah. studied. My mother made us take piano for like four years, and I never studied. And then the day I had the the day I stopped taking lessons, I I sat that at a piano every day. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's awesome. That's great. And now I feel I wish I could sight read better. That's all. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I know. I'm right there with you. I know. I know. So you started writing music in college. Mm-hmm. Um. What, was that around the same time that you were, I mean, you didn't say that you sort of left the faith, but did you have some sort of rediscovery of faith or? Yeah, I feel like just as my process and my journey with the Lord, a lot of it had to do with my adoption in the feeling of just what adoptees, a lot of us feel, the sense of abandonment and the sense of sort of mm-hmm. doubt and where we need to be and how we fit into people's lives. And it things get complicated, and it was such a gift to be able to have the Lord sort of meet me every step of the way, and to use music and writing as an avenue to express my desires and my hopes and dreams, right. and my frustrations, you know, yeah. um, so in, the, my, in my faith walk. So that first album, Restoration, the word restoration, had something to do with what you were yeah. going through? Yeah, for sure. and. Uh, it was a big step for me because at that time I, I had three little boys. I, our youngest was probably like three and a half or four at the time. And my husband and I had really prayed like, gosh, do I need to go into full-time ministry? And I had desired that so deeply, but I also wanted to maintain my balance and in, in mm-hmm. my, in my work and my, you know, my family. Mm-hmm. And my husband just said, listen, Danielle, you need to do this. Like you, you have to do it. And a lot of that, um, a lot of that music came from me processing everything that I really needed to process to be able to, like, be where I am now today, right. you know, and to be able to be very strong in my faith um, and to, you know, desire the Lord to sort of 
teach me and grow me in ways that the church needs me to grow, you know? Mm-hmm. So how do you go from, because you have restoration and then the Awaken project, that both sound like you're moving mm-hmm. in a particular direction, and then we end up with Undone. Yeah. Which sounds it sounds like you went backwards, but maybe you're referring to something else. What's what's undone all about? Undone was me sitting at at my piano. It was the first um, music that I had written on piano in probably about twenty years, uh-huh. and uh, I never had a piano. My parents had the piano that I grew up yeah. playing on as a child in their home, and I had it moved into my home uh, where we are now, and I. Uh, wrote all of that music on the piano, and I hadn't touched the keys or really led worship from a piano, I mean, in, in forever. And so it was a lot of these conversations with God and him, him and the Blessed Mother really undoing all of these knots and healing mm. all these wounds um, that I had sort of been pushing to the side and walking through. Uh, and you can sort of hear that in that song, Good to Me, you know? Yes. Uh, but it's a different sound because I wrote it, you know, on a different instrument. Interesting. That was sort of okay, so propelled me into a new stage and season of writing. Yeah, that's amazing how you change the instrument and it actually changes the whole songwriting process completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Our Lady of, were you doing any prayers to Our Lady of Undoer of Knots? Is that related? Yes, un- undone? yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I, sh- I sure was. I have yeah. a big devotion to Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Um, yeah. And I had never even heard of Our Lady and Jordan. Yeah, I think most people haven't. Yeah, yes. Yeah, such a deep devotion, so yeah. such a blessing. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I first heard about her when we, with the election of Francis as well, Pope Francis. Um, So mm-hmm. we this brings us to this new project. I'm calling it a new project, even though we just have a single, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. that it's going to be part of something else. So this yeah. this title song, or it's not the title, I don't know, but the song um, that we're going to hear at the end of the program when we're done here is called Come. What can you tell mm-hmm. us about that song? song and about the project that I hope that it's going to be Gosh, yeah, definitely a project in the works. Yeah. Gosh, this song come, it's such a dear, dear song to me. Uh, It has to do about this moment that I had in prayer, and I had been in this season of sort of battling um, uh, just the idea of unworthiness and feeling incapable of like my family and my life balance. You know, uh, when Our Lady said that that the enemy was going to be attacking the family. I mean, mm-hmm. our vigilance has to be so, um, so strong. And I needed that so deeply. Uh, and I needed to give that uh, to her. And so I sat in prayer in just this dark uh, church during the worship night. And I closed my eyes and, uh, and I just had been asking the Lord, like, just show me what I need to be doing for you. You know, mm-hmm. cause I knew that I needed to be doing, I knew that he was preparing me for something. Um, and he just spoke those words to me. It's such a simple song, but he just said, come, Danielle, and your heart is, I know how tired your heart is. Like, come rest, just come rest hmm. in my most sacred heart, you know? And I was just filled with this peace and this joy of that intense mercy and grace, you know, and instantaneously gifted to me. Uh, and that's exactly where the song came from. And I immediately thought, like, I wish everyone could hear this. Like, I wish everyone mm. could hear your voice right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where, that's how I wrote the song. And it was probably one of the first songs that I knew that I would be using for corporate worship and corporate prayer. Uh, and it's been received so well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
through our communities. So, yeah, such a so, blessing, you know. So do you do, yeah, and I, I was going to say, people we can hear those words through your music. Um, mm-hmm. I can't, so is it is it too early to say whether it's going to be part of a, a, a project or the next album? It will definitely be a part of a new project. And I have been going back and forth probably for the, the last six months, I travel to Nashville. Mm-hmm. My producer, Sean Williams, is yeah. there um, with Paper Castle Records. And I've been traveling about once a month for songwriting oh, sessions wow. yeah. and just working in the studio. So we'll have new stuff for you for sure. It's okay, good. Because really you have to make sure you let us know as soon as that new album is ready so we can get I you will, back on the show I will. and play Thank the music. You. Okay, Danielle, it's been great uh, meeting you. And I, I, love, I love your music. I love the music. I don't know how I hadn't heard of you. <laughs> you know thank in the last so six years five years um thank you for doing what you're doing continue i'm looking forward to uh the next album but but uh, i love what i'm listening to so keep Gosh, it up thanks that was uh singer songwriter danielle noonan if you missed the beginning of this conversation go to salt slash radio you can listen to the whole interview again and listen to the uh, songs that we've been playing as well. You can find out more about Danielle Noonan at her, and her music at her website, daniellenoonanmusic.com. And Noonan is N-O-O-N-A-N, Noonan, daniellenoonanmusic.com. Of course, we're going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily as well. Here now is Danielle Noonan with that single that she was just talking about, Come. There is not a shadow you can find me. Listening to Danielle Noonan with her new single, Come. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. 
make sure you check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Bring your burdens, bring your sorrows, you say come, come marching and come. Bring your burdens, bring your sorrows, you say come. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. The book is called Bearded Gospel Men. What does that mean? Well, bearded, I guess, is pretty obvious. If you have hair on your face, you're probably bearded, and I guess you're probably a man. But what does it mean to be a gospel man? I don't know. But joining me is someone who does. Jared Brock is the co-author of Bearded Gospel Men, The Epic Quest for Manliness and Godliness. Jared, so good to have you back on the program. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So um, let's just cut to the chase because there's a connection between, I guess, Christians, Jews, and I'd even say Muslims in terms of beards. So why are why would you say that beards are biblical other than the fact that I guess they had no, like, shaving cream? Well, yeah, maybe that's, that's more of the joke, perhaps, is that Gillette hadn't been invented yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so basically Bearded Gospel Men is our attempt to use something silly and surface deep like beards to invite guys into a deeper story to talk about being a gospel man. So yeah, the beards is definitely just the pretext. That said, pretty much every depiction of every male saint in history and all the biblical characters, they all seem to be sporting some wonderful facial faithfulness. So Yes, absolutely. And you actually, and, and, and I, I, I like, when I first heard of the book, even after watching the trailer, I was imagining something else, and then when I saw the book, and you've sorry, you've grouped the chapters. It's very, it is like a, like almost like a saint book where you have a chapter on a different person, and you have, of course we have Saint Boniface and John the Baptist and Thomas More, uh, G.K. Chesterton, Johannes Kepler, Saint Patrick. I mean, uh, good King Wenceslas. Uh, I don't know, is St. Nicholas in here somewhere? Yes, um, he is. So, so these are all people that we remember and imagine uh, to have beards. Of course, there's lots of other people that maybe are not saints, but but you describe them as godly gospel men? Yeah, so we basically set the book up as a 31-day devotional so that people can read through it over the course of the month with their friends, and each day there's a Bible verse and a meditation and a prayer and, and a profile of a bearded gospel man. Um, so, for example, one of my favorite bearded gospel men is a guy named Thomas Bernardo, uh-huh. and he lived about 150 years ago, and he started a orphanage safe house for homeless girls around the same time that Jack the Ripper was killing prostituted women. So, wow. very, very dangerous, dangerous area of London. Uh-huh. And it grew and grew and grew. And today, the charity that Bernardo started 150 years ago. It's still the biggest children's charity in the United Kingdom. Wow. This was a man who made millions and millions of dollars, but he funneled all of it into his kingdom calling. He's an amazing guy. Would you say, and of course, it's not because he had a beard, right. but but again, would you say that there is a connection between... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. The joke that, that uh, we like to say is um, is that true beauty is on the inside, but clearly my face has sprung a leak. <laughs> That's so, good, yeah. We, we like to say that, that it's the, the outward uh, expression of an inward change or an inward decision. So um, 
those of us who decide to grow this, you know, titanic facial topiary, um, <laughs> we're kind of a, probably a little more wild than the average person. And um, at least for me and for my co-author, it's just another one of those kind of uh, shout outs to the great men of the past, these ancient guys who did incredible things to help their fellow man. So that's Is, why we do it. Right. Is there something, Would you, well, and I think in your introduction, the one that you wrote of, of the book that there's would you say that there's something wrong with the male heart that is broken that makes us want to dominate and destroy and that's why men need to we need to help elevate men yeah no absolutely like i mean you look at what's going on in the news right now with this hollywood sexual assault scandal yeah. and it just is so obvious that character matters more than accomplishment that what you do um, doesn't matter compared to who you are. And out of that virtue, that, that faith, that belief, it's going to express itself in action. So if, you're, if your heart is dark, if it's selfish, if it's, if it's uh, addicted, or it's, it's just about me, 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 it's going to express itself in ways that hurt other people. So yeah, we're hoping that this book particularly really helps guys elevate their game, that when they compare themselves to these these global giants that they say, oh man, I, I need to do some, some growth. I need to let God change me. Do you think that popular culture does not help men become real men? Uh, I, I don't think so. Like, look at the cultural definition of manhood, right? It's, it's uh, be tough, it's be strong, be independent, and, and really, you know, be a self-made man. Whereas the Bible's pretty clear that, that, you know, he is our refuge in, in, in times of trouble, that he is our strength, you know, that, that our, our greatest works are like filthy rags, that, uh, you know, no, not by might, nor even power, but by your spirit. Like, mm-hmm. it, the, the scripture is so clear that, that we can't do this alone. We need a band of brothers, and we need the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be a gospel man, if it's not about the beard? Yeah, so to be a gospel man, uh, it's about continually having the the direction of your ship becoming more in lo- more in line and heading in the direction that that God wants to take it. He is the captain of your ship. You know, we are not the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. He's in charge and we've got to let go of the wheel and let him take over and mm-hmm. let him say, "I'm going to change you in these areas. I'm going to conform you to the image of Christ so that you will live the fullness of your calling and in doing so you will love God and love others." Right. Now, you mentioned uh, a little bit about how you formatted the book as a 30-day uh, devotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to do in a man's group, but you can also do it by yourself. Um, so you have the, the little f- the features on, on each, each of the separate men. There are reflections written by you and by, by your co-author, Aaron Alford. Um, and the quotes that you mentioned, one, I love the quotes. Um, but then there's the odd gospel, beardless gospel woman. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> did I just spoil it? Um, uh, why did you throw them in? Well, like, I mean, there are just there are some women in Christian history that their character was just so so strong that we could not resist putting them in there. Again, the key word in bearded gospel man is gospel, and right. we kind of picture bearded gospel man like a pub. It's this really homey, welcoming place where, where everyone is welcome to come and partake and have a conversation and grow closer to each other and God. And You know, the fire is lit, the drinks are poured, and everyone 
is welcome. Welcome to the pub. Welcome to the pub, women included. Indeed. So so the book is not just for men. No, it's for whoever knows how to read and wants to grow <laughs> deeper in their faith. <laughs> whoever knows how to read. So and and beard you don't have to have a beard to read the book. No, but if you are a male there's a good chance that by the end of it you'll be inspired to start growing some uh some male pattern magnificence. So there's maybe a connection. I'm I'm uh just wanted to to mention because today Saturday, November 18th, is the, the beatification of, of Father Solanus Casey. There you go. Um, he, and, and he sported quite the beard. Mm, good for like him. Like a good Franciscan. <laughs> so he's the second-born American male to be beatified um, in Detroit. And, uh, and yeah, like, like all good Franciscans, had, had quite the beard. So I guess uh, in, uh, in honor of him and in honor of all the, the great men that... Uh, I was going to say that have beards, but there's great men without beards. Um, you mentioned a few a few of the men that didn't have beards um, in your introduction as well, and I found that intriguing as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we kind of poke fun at the fact that most of the dictators in history haven't had beards. They've had little tiny mustaches. Yes, exactly. So we're not just talking about facial hair in general, but you have to have the beard, not just the mustache. Yeah, you yeah. know what they say, uh, a beard covers over a multitude of chins. <laughs> that's it that's it um, Jared thank you so much again for uh, sharing the book with us and, and doing what you're doing to help to help elevate men but at the same time you're, you're helping elevate women and humanity as well um, so thank you for doing that thanks for having me Deacon Pedro Jared Brock is a documentary filmmaker and he's the co-founder of Hope for the Sold a not Uh, for-profit organization dedicated to combating exploitation. He's also the author of A Year of Living Prayerfully and The Road to Dawn. His latest book, co-written with Aaron Alford, who, by the way, is a seminarian in New Mexico, is Bearded Gospel Men, The Epic Quest for Manliness and Godliness. And you can buy that book wherever you buy books. But if you want to download a chapter or watch the trailer or find out more, go to their website, beardedgospelmen.com. It's a great Christmas gift for the man in your life. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Matt Marr, with Your Love Defends Me from his new album, Echoes. You are my joy, you are my song, you are the well, the one I'm drawing from. You are my refuge, my whole life long, where else would I go? Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And when I feel like I'm all alone 
That was Matt Marr with Your Love Defends Me from his new album, Echoes. Now, I'm not sure if Matt Marr needs much of an introduction, and and probably the less I spend talking about him, the more we can spend talking to him. So here (laughs) with me is eight-time Grammy-nominated artist Matt Marr, who has just released his sixth studio album titled Echoes. Matt, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much for having me, Pedro. There you go. See, I don't have to introduce you. We can talk more. Um, um, echoes. Why? I just read because I have to do research when I when I do interviews because I'm a professional. Um, the album is about suffering. Well, the album the album is sort of a it, it the context, I guess, in some ways, or the I, maybe the antagonist is of the album is suffering. Um, the the question you know, that I like to say, you know, sort of in the rabbinical tradition, you know, okay. they ask lots of questions. Okay. The question is, how do, how do you respond to suffering? Okay. And how do you pass on and reflect things that have eternal weight to them in the light of human suffering? Um, so a response to suffering. Yeah, yeah. It 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 really a lot of these songs um were written just prior to uh, a period of time but sort of in the climate of the world in which we're all living. Mm-hmm. And um I was thinking a lot about, you know, coming off my last record Saints and Sinners um, I was actually really gearing towards writing an album of songs exploring the nature of what does it mean to protest or to right. stand up for your faith. Uh-huh. And how do you do that in a way that reflects Jesus? Uh-huh. And um, and my dad passed away in the in the month of March. Oh, and wow. so, Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, it It just took on a more personal dimension in the sense of um, there were uh, a lot of the songs that I realized that I had recorded uh, or that I'd written. Sorry, there there was a, there were some songs that were more sort of spoken to, more towards the 
some of the tensions that we face sort of uh, in our culture in terms of the nature of protests and how do you stand up for the poor? How do you stand for the marginalized? How do you stand for those who experience, you know, marginalization? Right. And, um, and, but then there was this other collection of songs that sort of spoke of God's faithfulness and God's, you know, sort of constant constancy or consistency in the midst of pain and suffering. And what I realized was those were the songs that I found myself clinging to, um, as I was grieving the loss of my father. Right. It, I realized that these were the songs that I think I needed in some ways put out first Mm -hmm. because, and, um, and rightfully so, because I just think more than ever before, um, humanity is sort of at a crisis of not knowing how to deal with suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find meaning in the midst of it? How do you find purpose in the midst of it? I mean, even today, Canada mourns the loss of one of its Gord- great songwriters, Gordon Downey, Downey yeah. from the Tragically Hip. Yeah. Passed away from brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the Hip's last show, which I, as a good Canadian, did, yeah. <laughs> um, and you like the very last song they sang Grace 2 which I thought was was a fitting title as a last thing to put out to the world obviously I'm coming from a different context because of my faith Yeah. but just there was this one moment where he just sort of yelled out loud he was just sort of screaming and uh, and I, I just found myself you know empathizing with that yell Mm-hmm. In the sense of like, and I think we all do, because suffering is something that it's inescapable from every human person. I mean, John Paul II, he talks so much about this that, yeah. you know, yeah, suffering is something that everybody goes through, and, and yeah, you're knowing res- how to how do you respond to that in faith? Yeah, and it's um, you're you're right that it's been such a rough year. I my my mom also died this year in July. Um, wow. And I know so many people that have lost a parent this year. It's just, but then you've got hurricanes and earthquakes and um, a refugee crisis, and it's easy to get depressed about that. Um, but yeah. the but our faith response is that there's there's meaning in suffering, and that's hard to that's a hard conversation to have with someone who has no faith. Even people that have faith, it's a hard conversation to have. Absolutely, it sort of an undiscovered country. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... So, so Echoes really became a project about that, about trying to respond to yeah. that in a personal way, in a corporate way. Um, I think it still echoes to some of the... I mean, <laughs> it, uh, <yeah. laughs> no pun intended. Yes. I, I tip, it tips its hat towards some of, some of the angst that we find. I think particularly the deluxe edition, you know, there's a song in there called Picket Sign. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you that, about that because that sounds like pro- protest. Um, yeah, I mean, it. you know, it's really the uh, the way I've said it is that the, 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 the cross has a two dimensions. It has a vertical and a horizontal dimension. Mm-hmm. And in some ways... Jesus' death on the cross, it represents God's protest against death itself. True, true. Only he lifts up himself. Yeah. He raises up his own, you know, his son. And the vertical dimension is us being reconciled with God, but this horizontal dimension, which is so important, I think especially in the day and age in which we live, is Mm -hmm. how does the death and resurrection of Jesus 
move us or provoke us to be reconciled with our brother. Yeah. With our sister. With well, the stranger. Yeah. We could we could spend a whole hour talking about this. The the, the, the <laughs> paradox no, the paradox that God's as you put it, God's protest against death, God but at the same time teaching us that there's value to suffering. I mean, Jesus always went yes. out to, to heal people, to help them in their suffering, but at the same time we're being told that it's okay to suffer. Um, that's well, a, yeah. yeah. Jesus teaches us to embrace death, not not to run from it. No. I mean, that's in some ways how he how he protests it is by embracing you know, it. Yeah. John Chrysostom talks about, you know, Jesus destroyed death by dying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um why why echoes? Well, I think it was this whole idea of it came from a book by N.T. Wright, who's an Anglican theologian who said that is the book was called Simply Christian, but he said it's it's a very it, it reminded me a lot of John Paul II. There was a it was actually World Youth Day in Toronto, two thousand two. Oh yeah. The famous quote, It is Jesus you seek when you dream of happiness. Yes. Yes. Um He's huh. the voice you hear that sort of whispers dreams in your ear and desires to mm-hmm. make your life something count for something more. Hmm. Um, N.T. Wright said it's something similar when he said, like, we hear echoes of a voice who calls for the wrong things to be made right. Right. And uh, and so, and I think in some way, because I think I was, it was a play on the sense of um, we communicate more and more these days by re resharing and reposting and retweeting thoughts and ideas that other people say that somehow we emotionally agree with or it we read something and we go that's how I feel and we just turn around and share it yeah and so um, I think that was in, in, and I was thinking about how you know, I'm a parent, and now I'm a dad, and I have five, I have three kids. Yeah. And they learn how to talk by repeating mm-hmm. what they hear. Yeah. And so, um, it sort of became this thing of like, what are we repeating into the world mm-hmm. with our voices? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody now has a phone. Everybody essentially has a soapbox, and they can stand on it all day long and share the things that they want to share and say the things that they want to say and I mean anybody can get a YouTube channel for free you have, mm-hmm. it's a TV channel you can you can put anything you want on it yeah and what do you choose what do you echo into the world right right yeah it's a, it's so a... sort of it's the kind of the beginning of a long conversation it I, is I, absolutely I might, I'm, I might just keep putting out content under this whole theme and just kind of keep running with it because no, yeah it's a it, it, because it, I think Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it is a deeper conversation. Absolutely. Um, it is. I mean, I think, I think, I think, especially Christians have to start asking the question of, what are we putting out into the world? Yeah. And who are we sounding like mm-hmm. when we do it? Yeah, absolutely. Are we really sounding like Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Or are we sounding like you know our favorite celebrity? Or are we sounding like uh, our favorite news anchor? Are we sounding like our favorite politician? You know, right. I mean. Yeah. Um, it and I, I I do think it's important because I think more than ever, not just what we say but how we say it mm-hmm. is incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great album. I I one of the things I like the most of it is that 
you think that it's you're, you're done and there's like six more tracks th than you expect <laughs> so it's great there's like 16 tracks it's, it's a wonderful so so i would like to encourage people to to hear i mean all this conversation that we've been having is background i don't know if people hearing the music will start thinking about suffering but maybe um but it, it's such a it's 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 there's so much there um uh, we have about 30 seconds matt i want you to you're in the middle of a tour right now with chris tomlin um, and then you're going to be in, in North Carolina and in Texas and in South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. I mean, all, all kinds of places. And then at the end of the year, you're going to Washington and, and, and you're going to be at NCYC and in New Zealand and Australia. So you're, you're busy. But tell us quickly about this, this Good Father tour with Chris Tomlin that you're in the middle of right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really great. Chris and I have been writing songs together now for over 15 years. And um, it really is this is the first time we've ever toured together. Yeah, wow. And so we're playing most of the night together, playing, uh -huh. sharing songs that we've wrote, we've written together, telling stories about it. Um, it's pretty amazing that someone of kind of with his platform would would just kind of sh <clears throat> share the stage with me. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's it's really amazing. I mean, yeah, that's it, very cool. And actually. I think especially you know it's the 500 year anniversary of the Reformation. So yes. I've always felt that there's something very significant about it. That's great. In terms of, you know, he grew up a Baptist and I grew up, and I'm a Catholic and yeah. the fact that we can stand together Absolutely. and proclaim Jesus um, to the world, I think. Amen. It, it models reconciliation. Absolutely. Okay, good. So I hope that if people are in any of those states that I mentioned, uh, they can uh, look up the Good Father Tour, uh, Matt Marr and Chris Tomlin. Um, we're going to leave it there because um, this is longer than it needed to be. But uh, it was good stuff. Uh, always good talking to you and uh, looking forward to the next album, my friend. Thank you so much. That was singer-songwriter Matt Marr. If you missed the beginning of our conversation, remember, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio to listen to the whole interview again. Matt's latest album is titled Echoes. You can purchase it at his website, mattmarmusic.com. Here now is Matt Marr with Clean Heart from his new album, Echoes. I woke up this morning The whole world was yelling I wish I was dreaming all that we'd been through My soul has been searching For some deeper meaning I know there's a kindness That leads me to the truth When everybody's looking for another fight When trouble's on the rise No end in sight Oh, Savior, won't you come and make the wrong things right? Let me be the place you start Give me a clean heart We're listening to Matt Marr with Clean Heart from his new album, Echoes. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Um, any comments, feedback, questions, you can send them to me via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Compassion in this division that we be known by our love. Where everybody's looking for another fight. There's troubles on the rise, no end in sight. Oh, baby, won't you come and make the wrong things right? Let me be the place you start. Give me a clean heart
on the cross, you died for me. To bless those who curse you and love those who hate you, you say to love my.